Welcome to Tesseract Podcast, where we unlock your power to innovate. Hi, my name is Matt, and I'm going to be your host today. Tesseract's mission is to empower airmen, connect them to resources, and accelerate change across the Air Force logistics enterprise. Specifically, our team works as an innovation accelerator assigned to the Air Staff Logistics Directorate, where we partner with airmen to operationalize the new sustainment strategy. In this episode, we had the opportunity to sit down with General C.Q. Brown Jr., Chief of Staff of the Air Force. We talked about everything from what Lieutenant Brown was like. Uh, We talked about accelerate, change, or lose. Um, Talked about culture and how leaders across the Air Force need to take risk to accelerate change. All right, here we go. I'm also a Big 12 guy, too. I'm an OU grad. Uh, so I'm, I'm aware you went to Texas. State. Well, I'm not gonna sure it's going to be the Big 12 anymore. People are, uh, yeah. <laughs> schools are Bolton. <laughs> OU is one of them, isn't it? Yes, yes, yeah, sir. Okay, all right. Yeah, Texas and Oklahoma, we are uh, out the door, right. uh, apparently. But uh, do you want to go headsets on or, or off? Full podcast experience is headsets on. Oh, sure. Why, yeah. why not? Make, <laughs> make it look like. And I also want to say I'm sorry just for casual Friday. No, uh, that's, I actually know. I had a meeting with the Brazilian air chief today. Oh, how'd that go, sir? Yeah, good, good. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Um, so first I'd like to start with, you know, we'd like to know a little bit more about you. Like, what was Lieutenant Brown like? Uh, you know, I, I think uh, just like Anna Day, a hard worker. Um, the, uh, you know, as a lieutenant, you know, going through pilot training, um, I actually had a, uh, a good friend, uh, Tony Davis, who we were kind of the social drivers and chairman for a lot of, a lot of things and kind of informal class leader in, in some aspects. Um, but, uh, you know, I was pretty serious about what I was getting done, too, uh, getting through pilot training and my F-16 training, and then even when I went to uh, uh, Kunsan. Um, at uh, Kunsan, uh, there's, there's two houses. There was a Delta house and the uh, Gamma house. <laughs> the Delta house was the, uh, uh, you know, from the uh, movie Animal House. Uh, that's where we had the, the three lieutenants live together, and it was the party hooch. Um, <laughs> And so we actually uh, would, would host the parties there at, at our place. So, um, you know, kind of an informal leader. Uh, as I said, when I was there as a uh, lieutenant, I was the brains of the LPA, Lieutenant Protection Association, uh, <laughs> and would lead that informally uh, there when I was a, a lieutenant there at Kunsan. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, before I went to college, my dad sat me down. He's like, Matt, we got to do something before you go. And he put Animal House in the, in yeah. the DVD players. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's uh, let's also start with like an interesting story, you know, uh, about you. Like, you know, I heard you ejected over the Everglades. Uh, that's wild. It struck by yeah. lightning. Uh, tell us about that. Sure. It was on uh, January fifteenth, nineteen ninety one. Um, I was an instructor in F sixteen, and uh, we were uh, flying up from home. I was stationed at Homestead at the time, and uh, we were going to fly up to Avon Park, uh, about the middle of Florida, to drop drop in the mine range. Weather wasn't good there, and we came back. We were up. Uh, in a block 21,000 to 23,000 feet. And my number four had lost his inertial navigation system. So I was talking to the supervisor of flying uh, about bringing number four back because the weather was not really bad at Homestead. And even the weather we were flying in, it was pretty uh, kind of thin clouds. So it was kind of easy to see uh, from a distance or, you know, as we flew, we had to fly very close together. And as I'm talking to the supervisor of flying, uh, I see a big flash. And for those that have flown, uh, when the strobe light on your aircraft goes off at night in the weather, that's what it was like, a big flash. And uh, the supervisor finally said, uh, study one, did you hear me? Because study one was my, my flight call sign at the time. 
And I said, stand by, I got a problem. And so right away I had a firelight. And, um, and then my number two, who was a brand new uh, wingman who's going through his mission qualification training, says, uh, you lost your centerline tank. So I had a centerline gas tank on. Uh, he told me that twice. And then he told me, okay, you got some fire back there. Um, and I tested the fire uh, overheat circuit because the overheat light's supposed to come on first in the firelight. So I had the firelight, then the overheat light. And then he says, you a little bit of fire. And, uh, and so I turned into him, started heading down. We were about 40 miles away from the field. Uh, then he said, okay, there's a, there's a lot of fire back there now. <laughs> and so uh, the checklist says uh, if fire persists, eject. And so I was going to be cleared to land. They told me I was cleared to land, but I was still, you know, 30 miles or so away from the field. I, told him, I don't think I'm going to make it back, partly because I was going to fly over some houses and everything else, and uh, I didn't think it was worth uh, doing that. Uh, and so uh, once he said a lot of fire back there, I said, okay, this is study one. I'm at the Homestead 290 for 21. I'm punching out. And so uh, I punched out and landed uh, in the Everglades in the sawgrass area. So it was like six inches of mud and muck when I did the parachute landing fall. I fell to my left side, knocked my helmet off. So my whole left side was covered in swamp mud. And I was out there for about 15 minutes, and there's a Coast Guard helicopter flying patterns at, uh, at Homestead that came in and dropped in and dropped down a horse collar, picked me up, and brought me back. Uh, spent the night in the hospital, and the next night, Desert Storm kicked off. Oh, wow. And so I had a bunch, <laughs> of, a bunch of buddies uh, that I'd flown with in, at, at Kunsan um, that were uh, part of the first wave in the Desert, you know, desert Storm. And so that's the, that's the ejection story, and my call sign is Swamp Thing, based on uh, that experience. Uh, that's awesome, sir. That's, yeah. that's, that's awesome. Uh, and throughout your career, you know, that, that's, you know, it's a really cool story, but, you know, throughout your career, um, you have, uh, you know, developed your strategic thought, like in your, in your perspective, and uh, Accelerate, Change, or Lose, it didn't happen, like, overnight, right? You know, it's a, uh, aggregation of like your your entire you know careers perspective. Uh, thirty seven years of service, correct, sir? Uh, thirty six. Thirty six. Yeah. Um, at what point were you like, you know, the status quo isn't enough, and at what point you realized mm-hmm. like we have to accelerate change? Well, I like to say there's um, as you kind of described, there, there's areas that throughout my career where I've, I've challenged the status quo, and uh, I've always you know been of the mindset, ask, always asking a little bit of why. So why do we do this? And uh, the answer is because that's the way we've always done it. Doesn't necessarily set well with me. Um, and you know, one of the areas I look at, uh, I've got four leadership tenets, and I'll, I'll kind of walk you through this here real quick. It's execute at a high standard, be disciplined in execution, pay attention to detail, and have fun. And so the execute at a high standard and disciplined execution, um, I want to do things you know to the best of my ability. At the same time, I want to make sure we get it right. And the discipline part is not just a, you know, a standard process, but it's also let's not waste my time or your time to get things done. And if we're doing something that doesn't make any sense, then we ought to challenge that. And, and that's the way I approach things. And I go back to the fact that as a group commander, when I was the weapons school commandant, uh, wing commander at Kunsan, the wing commander at Aviano, I had unit compliant inspections at all three locations. And uh, it got to a point where there's some things we were doing. I go, this doesn't make any sense. And so from there, I started challenging uh, when the IG would come in, and uh, when I was a wing commander at Aviano, I actually called the IG and said, okay, here's a couple things we're not going to do before you come down here and inspect us. And then I sent him an email uh, after that to go to codify what I told him we weren't going to do. And I did that a couple times, and uh, I did get fired. Um, <laughs> and now but, you're here? <laughs> well, but, but part of it is you know, to be able to, to, to have the courage to go challenge the status quo um, in certain ares. And that's why when you look at Accelerate, Change, or Lose, you can sit here and, and 
you know, go through the status quo. And if you, the translation of the status quo is the mess we're in. And, and really, Accelerate Change or Lose was to look at ourselves and look ourselves in the mirror to go, are there some things we can do better? And I know there are. And having served all my time, most of my time as a general officer in joint jobs or, or air components, I could look at the Air Force from the outside and go, there's some things we can improve upon. And, and that's what kind of got me down this path. And so it's, you know, it's kind of baked in from early in my career, um, codified as I got more senior, and particularly as I came in this role just about a year ago. No, that, that's awesome. And uh, we at Tesseract, you know, we're, we're all about challenging the status quo. Uh, John Boyd, right. uh, you know, and I actually brought his book here. Um, and so if there was one book I can add to the, to the reading list, it would be Ed right. Boyd. Um, just absolutely a phenomenal story for for listeners that don't know you know who john boyd is i'd, I'd give him a, a google or look right. him up on on amazon uh so we are we're a year into accelerate change or lose it's almost a year to the day right. uh so and you've been in the seat now for for a year looking back on the last year um what do you think um has been successful and what do you think we can continue to further accelerate well, I think what's been successful is, is, is the fact that the Accelerate Change Relief has taken, has taken hold. And as I go around the Air Force and have a chance to travel and talk to airmen, um, and I get feedback of, you know, what it means to them about Accelerate Change Relief because they're looking at things, too, and they go, there's some things we can improve upon. Um, I also get feedback from those outside of the Air Force that uh, have talked to airmen and, uh, you know, like what we, you know, that like what we, they see what we're doing. Um, I've had members of Congress, um, members from industry, uh, all talk to me about accelerate change or lose because I think we all we've we've all been in situations where you go we can do better, um, and there's some things we'd all like to change. And what I really think about accelerate change or lose is the fact that we've already got change going on. I mean, the fact that you know we thought we had a COVID, we're back into it with masks in, in some areas, and uh, and really making those adjustments. To me, um, it's it's a way to to, to drive ourselves forward. Um, so. That's part of it. It's a cultural change, which means folks are looking for immediate change. If you're changing a culture and a, a, a way we do things, it's going to take time, and uh, and it does it. It takes you know buy-in at all levels, and you know there's always some, a few that are stuck in the mud that don't want necessarily want to change. Um, but I, I think we've made some good progress in certain areas, uh, and the aspect of when I look at it and I talk about empowering airmen is the fact that it doesn't need to all come from me. It comes from all of our airmen. Um, and they have the opportunity to drive change at each of their locations because what I really want to do is provide intent, accelerate change or lose, and then as much authority as I can to allow our airmen to go do what they've, what they've been trained to do and then challenge the status quo at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, when you talk about culture change at Tesseract, you know, we fully embody that, that concept that, you know, culture drives strategy mm-hmm. and it drives our team strategy. And we have a culture playbook um, that, that we abide by. We have our leadership tenants. We have our leadership principles. Uh, and um, I actually have it right here. Um, there's a picture of you in it, by the no, way, sir, okay. if you don't mind. <laughs> we, we, uh, we picked the best one. Um, and here, I can just I can slide it over to you. Uh, thanks. Um, and we have, um, th- that is how we make our decisions. And that is the just that common body of knowledge that that we refer to and and we'll dig into decision making cycles you know here in a little bit um but this is the tool that we use uh to increase the speed of our OODA loops make decisions um and and ultimately accelerate change right so um that that's how we are 
currently, you know, uh, quantifying that process and, and getting after that behavior and culture change. And then whenever it's time for us to, you know, to move on in PCS, you know, sharing those, right. uh, you know, right. that perspective. And then also uh, we have people in the field already making their own culture playbooks as well um, to help facilitate the conversation. Um, another piece of that that we are doing um, is we have a, a program called uh, Foundations uh, mm. led by uh, Chief Paul Hammer. And um, that is a, a mechanism for leaders to ask the right questions. Right. And, uh, and, and that might be a deep dive at a later time, but um, you know, there are multiple uh, ways that we are getting after that behavior change you know, in the Air Force you know, that, that we need right? you know, at, at every level to yeah. help the chain of command. Um, in Action Order B, you state, I believe our bureaucracy requires a tune-up to enable us to make decisions at the speed needed in a dynamic global environment. Who was this written for? Uh, originally written for the air staff, but it really applies at all levels. And there's there's always, I think there's always ways that we can go faster. And with bureaucracy, sometimes it's the fear of making a decision. And that's what I find sometimes when we staff some of the things we do, we're, we're afraid to you know make a decision. Uh, I've, I've talked about, there's certain things that come across my desk, and I ask the question, why am I even looking at this? And it's because if, if it goes south, they want my name on it to say that the chief said it was okay. Well, you can say it's okay um, at your level. Uh, that's one thing I like about uh, um, No Rules Rules. Uh, Great Netflix book, sir. in the culture of reinvention. Yeah. You know, leadership by, uh, or freedom of responsibility. Leadership by context is one of the uh, 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 topics it covers, but, you know, FNR, freedom of responsibility, where you're free to make any decision you want, but you have the responsibility for the decisions you make. And that, to me, is the way you empower our airmen to be able to, to drive and tr cut down the bureaucracy. And then you got to figure out who really owns the decision and who owns the accountability for the decision. And so what happens then is we always push it up to the next level just in case because we don't want to be the person that's responsible. Well, think about what we do as an Air Force. And we, we have some very complex things that go on. I, I'd use the example of the C-17 this week, the two C-17s. One, unfortunately, uh, was a loss of life uh, based on the, the situation. Another... Uh, they took out over 800 people uh, and made a decision at a lower level. They didn't have to call. They didn't call back here asking me, we have General Brown, what should we do? They made those decisions, and I trust our airmen to do that. Will we get it exactly right all the time? Not necessarily, but that's the part from a bureaucracy standpoint. You know, we keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. Versus, hey, I think I'm just go out and execute and let people know what I'm doing. And that's the, the I think the one area that we can do better on, not just in the, the staffing process up here to make better decisions to support our airmen. At our, you know, our squadron groups and wings, but it's what we do down at the, the lower level at our, you know, with our first line supervisor. How do we speed up those processes so that our men are not sitting on their hands waiting for a decision someplace where you, they got to know what to do, but they got to ask somebody. Well, how about you just tell them here's what we're going to do, and you can stop me before I go too far. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. And I notice a lot of those concepts are um, are within AFPD one uh, mm -hmm. and in the new doctoral publication. Uh, you know, embracing mission command, you know, and, and you are telegraphing, um, you know, your intent and you are, you know, asking your leaders to, you know, to follow through. Right. And it's, and that was my initial, when I saw the T-17, uh, you know, packed to the brim, I was, that, that is the epitome of mission type orders. That is the epitome of commander's right. intent, uh, mission command, loved it. And, and speaking of that, uh, I have a, just a, a sidebar question about uh, your work with General Berger. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I read your, your paper 
uh, talking about readiness. And I also, you know, I've read uh, MCPD-1, and it, and I noticed a lot of similarities between um, our new doctrine, which is kind of, is leaning more towards the maneuver war- warfare concepts, mm-hmm. and um, the maneuver warfare concepts that were, um, you know, created through, uh, you know, through the Marine Corps, you know, uh, education system, if, if you will. Um, why, why the Marine Corps? Like, why? Well, um, you know, I don't. I don't yeah, that's a good question. I, it, I, I think one of the one of the areas is um, he he called me before I came, became the chief of staff, you know, as I was going through the confirmation process, and as I was preparing to write slower, change or lose, I read the uh, commandant's uh, planning guidance, and actually, it really resonated with me. Uh, I highlighted a bunch of parts of it because it's some of the same things I was thinking about, and um, in our conversation, we just kind of connected. And, and I think we have the same mindset in uh, several areas. And it's not so much the Marine Corps. It could have been any one of the other service chiefs. It yes. just hap- happened that uh, we were kind of thinking of the same way as service chiefs. And so we've kind of built a, 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 a one, a friendship, but two, um, you know, the Air Force thinking about some of the same things the Marine Corps thinking about. And, you know, uh, you know, how do you drive change sometimes? you, you got to get behind, not just, you know, for a small group, but the broader you cast that net, the more you can probably get done, and and we both had the same mindset on the, on the readiness piece. I've spent I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, and uh, we worked together to you know hey why don't we write something about this and and it's actually you know, matter of fact I saw something this past week in the press talking about that article we wrote you know uh, eight months ago roughly, and so it's just the fact that we think alike and in order to be ready for the future. Uh, we know not just the Air Force has got to change. You know, Marine Corps looks at how they need to change, but I would say. As a department, we got to look at how we need to change to ensure we are prepared for what comes uh, here in the future for uh, for our department, but also for our nation. Absolutely, sir. You know what can oh, excuse me, sir? Uh, what can we do as an Air Force to ensure viable airman solutions are implemented at the speed of relevance and not lost in an email chain or frozen in middle management? Well, part of it's the overcommunication piece. Um, and then I think we, we one of the things, and we were just talking about this, we're getting ready for the wing commander's uh, uh, call uh, next month after uh, AFA. And how do, how do we actually lay out a pathway to make some of these good ideas uh, come to fruition much more quickly? Some of them cost money. Some of them don't cost any money at all. And, you know, one of the things I, you know, as we go into this, and this hit me about a month ago when I was at uh, 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 Ramstein and Spangdalem, um, there's a whole bunch of AFIs and guidance that we had in 2019 that we were falling to the T, and then we went into COVID. And it begs the question of all that AFI and guidance, how much of that did we actually kind of set to the side? And what I don't want to do is actually, uh, as we come out of COVID, hopefully sooner than later, uh, we don't get in a situation where we go back to, you know, back to 2019. You know, how do we take and say, hey, we weren't even doing that in the first place? Because it's interesting, you know, I had breakfast and uh, uh, a couple different locations with airmen. And there were, you know, about a quarter of the airmen at the breakfast with me. All they knew about the Air Force was COVID. They went to basic training in COVID. They got to their first base in COVID. They're, they're now in COVID. And so they, they don't even know anything about the Air Force in 2019. And so I don't want to go backwards. And that's the key part of, you know, how do we actually find these ideas and move forward? And it really takes um, the empowerment and the trust, the trust for airmen that, you know, their leadership's got their back. And our leadership's got to be able to let go a little bit. And, you know, we have baggage. You know, the more senior you are, you have more, you have more baggage. You have more experiences. You're, you're less, uh, you're more reluctant to 
to, to drive and make change. But you got to be feel comfortable that uh, some of our young airmen actually got some really good ideas because they're seeing it for the first time. They're going, why, you know, why are we doing it this way? This doesn't make any sense. And we ought to listen sometimes because they're the ones that are actually get it done. And it helps to motivate them if you give them the chance to, you know, do something, put something in place. And that's the beauty of agile combat employment and some of the things we're doing with the multifunctional, uh, excuse me, multi-capable airmen. Um, the excitement I see from airmen, they're getting to do something different and they're coming up with their own ideas to solve the problems in a different way versus the way we've written it, you know, that we've been using for the past X number of years. Yeah, absolutely, sir. And looking at the, the Viper Hot Pit, you know, project that, mm -hmm. you know, I, I saw you, you were taking a look at that over in Germany. Um, but even things at, at the strategic level, right. uh, Major Kelsey Smith has been working with uh, preventative maintenance at Delta Tech Ops and, and scaling that, right. you know, over the last couple of years. And, uh, and then, you know, we work with them. We have a contract with uh, um, Georgia Tech Research Institute uh, and Delta. And that, so looking at it from holistically, you know, top to bottom, you know, we have airmen that are, you know, creating those tactical adaptions um, that are, you know, increasing readiness, if you right. will, right? But then also attacking those those big picture items. Uh, any other any of those other uh, tactical adaptions that you've seen out in the field that come to mind? Well, I think one that really stuck with me that um, I saw back in uh, December timeframe when we went out to uh, Al-Udeed was hot pitting in a KC-135. So as an F-16 pilot, I've hot pitted in an F-16 a number of times. And for those that don't know, a hot pit is really, uh, you, you pull up to uh, uh, next to a fuel truck, engine running, and uh, they fill you up with gas while you're sitting there running, you just take off again. Mm -hmm. um, they start doing that with uh, a KC-135, and they figure out, instead of taking about four hours to get it back up in the air, you could do it in an hour. And so that was an idea that uh, our airmen came up with, and if I'd been asked about that, I probably wouldn't have come up myself. <laughs> but they figured out a way to you know minimize the time on the ground for uh, uh, a tanker and get it back up in the air faster. That th th that's just one example, and there's several that I've seen where I remember have look you know taken ideas uh, just because we gave them the opportunity, mm -hmm. and uh, we want to make sure we do it smartly. Uh, we don't want to hurt you know hurt somebody or damage equipment, um, but we got a lot of folks that experience to kind of help uh, watch and ensure we're not going to do something that's going to you know you know incur a lot of risk. Uh, but we got to lean forward a little bit, and I, I like to say there's a fine line between leaning forward and falling over. Um, but you do want to lean forward a little bit, and that's how you're going to drive change. Can we take a little bit deeper of a dive into risk? Because I think, you know, you know, risk, uh, you know, varies in, in definition mm -hmm. at different levels, you know, of the chain of command. Um, what's your, um, what do you think the thresholds of risk are, besides, you know, injury or, or, or death or things of that matter? Um, I, I think part of it is you, you got to talk about risk and not with an adjective in front of it. You got to talk about it in real terms. So if we, you know, if we do this, here's the things that could go wrong. If we don't do this, here's the things that could go wrong. Um, and, and really talk about it in, in kind of real terms to uh, explain what it is. Because what happens is if you don't spend the time talking about it, those that are trying to make the decision, their mind starts to, you know, starts to wander. They have, you know, delusions of all these bad things can go wrong. You got to talk through it a little bit. And the more you understand about what the argument are trying to achieve, that they can explain it. Um, that helps to buy down the risk, particularly if you can talk about, hey, I've already thought about some of these things and I've figured out how to mitigate some of the risk by you know, taking some factors out, how I might adjust if we see certain things. Um, you know, when I talk about one of my leadership tenants, you know, attention to detail, um, I always get nervous when someone says, hey, sir, don't worry about it, it's all taken care of, and, th and then they stop talking. If they say, hey, don't worry, it's all taken care of, and I've done this, 
I've thought about this, I've done that. Okay, then I feel more comfortable because they've actually spent a little extra time thinking through it to drive down the risk. And, and that's how we actually help ourselves to be able to have this, this dialogue uh, going, you know, going forward on what we're trying to achieve. And then, you know, if, if, it's, if we have the Michigan man and we're always communicating, and there's, there's two things out of two different books. One is Call Sign Chaos by uh, General Secretary Mattis. I worked with for him when, when I was a one-star and he was a CENTCOM commander. He talked about command and feedback, not command and control. And then the, the Netflix book we talked about earlier talks about leadership by context, not leadership by control. And so it's that dialogue that goes back and forth about what are you trying to achieve? And we have the conversation that I can help you as a leader to go, okay, here's a couple things to think about, but I want to let you keep going. Um, and that's the part we, we got to look at when we start talking about risk and, and having the, the conversation, not just making it a, hey, this is high risk or uh, we, we can't do this. Uh, we got to have a conversation, a, a little bit more of the why. Yes, sir. And uh, there are thousands, millions of ideas out there, right, that are still game-changing ideas that are still in the minds of our airmen. Um, how do we, you know, continue to unleash our airmen? The the potential energy that, that we have is just, it's enormous, right? right? Uh, how do we go about unleashing that? How does the how does the supervisor, how does the flight commander, the squadron commander um, take deliberate action to unleash the power of the airmen? Well, I think uh, for our leadership, you got to be comfortable, you know, comfortable being uncomfortable. Uh, if, if you're too comfortable, that means you're not pushing the envelope. You know, going back to John Boyd, you, you got to be willing to push the envelope a little bit to, and feel a little bit uncomfortable. And that's how you're going to, you know, nothing in. You know, you, you, you can't gain anything if you don't put any, anything in. So, that, so that's one. I think the other part for our airmen is they've got to be persistent uh, as they go forward and be very consistent in their message as they are trying to get things done. And not stop is you know at the first you know first roadblock uh, or first no. So I talk um, about the five stages of no, like the five stages of grief. Hell no, no. We'll think about it. Not a bad idea. We should be doing that already. You got to get through all five stages. And if it's something that you know is the right thing to do in your heart, and you've got you've done all the legwork, you just keep going through all five stages. You start building a consensus as you go forward um, as you do this. At the same time, our leadership, you got to listen, okay? And if, you, if it's easy to say no, it's hard to say yes. Um, and we got to really think through what the opportunities are by saying yes. Does it create a little extra risk? Does it put a little extra work on your plate? Maybe so. But in the long run, it's a dividend that actually will make us better as an Air Force. And that, to me, is the most important piece of this, is being able to, to have that dialogue back and forth and, and, and one, and that's the whole part about empowerment. In empowerment, you got to be able to let go. you got to be able to delegate and tolerate is the way I look at it. You delegate <laughs> down and you tolerate because it's not going to be exactly the way you would have done it. But they're going to learn, and guess what? They're going to do it, you know, be able to do it. And now you don't have to be the one that's doing it and be the, the single point of failure. You actually have folks that are actually helping you move uh, your, your unit, your organization, or whatever level much further forward. Yes, sir. You're familiar with Boyd's uh, 42nd challenge, right? So we're going to do a 40-second lightning round over okay. here with some lightning round questions. All right. <laughs> um, so finish these sentences. In 10 to 15 years, I see our Air Force and our airmen. Uh, hopefully in a better place. It's Sunday afternoon. I have blank on the grill. I have a brisket that's been on for at least six to eight hours already. <laughs> that, uh, we'll be eating here in a few more hours. <laughs> Delegate and tolerate, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Texas Tech will be blanked. Uh, will be ranked blank at the end of the college football season. 
in the Big 12. I think it'll be somewhere uh, in the, at least in the top 10 because there's two teams leaving. <laughs> um, ideally, I'd like to see them in the top 25. Uh, good stuff. You're working out. I'm listening to blank. I'm listening to a podcast, usually on uh, leadership. Hidden Brain, uh, Ryan Hawk, the learning leader, uh, business history, um, Malcolm Gladwell. Tesseract podcast. Tesseract podcast. I'll put, <laughs> I have to put that on my playlist. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty slick. Good one. Yeah. <laughs> the most prevalent threat to accelerating change or lose is blank. Us. You have two weeks of leave. I'm going. I'm going someplace that's close to the beach that has a golf course. Okay. What's your handicap, sir? I'm a bogey golfer. Okay. 18. Yeah. <laughs> if I had one superpower, it would be blank. Hmm. You know, I think anything that can make a difference for people, because that's what I—that's what I live for. I mean, that's why I still do this. I'm having fun, and I just want to make a difference. Your hero is blank. Uh, probably family. Um, yeah, I think about each member of my family. Where's my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother, uh, my wife, or our two sons? Each one of them has had an impact on me in some form or fashion, and so. I, I, you know, I, I could single one out and I'd leave everybody else out, but uh, I think each one of them has, has played a role in my life. That, that's awesome, sir. I feel the same way. Uh, thank you so much, General Brown, for coming on. Do you have any any last comments that uh, maybe something that you wanted to to say earlier in the podcast? Well, you know, one, if I had anything to say is that um, we all have an opportunity to to contribute on, on this. When I talk about accelerate, change, or lose, it's not just what I do; it's what we all do. And if you go back and read it, I put in there about collaboration, and that's in there on purpose. Um, we got to look. We all have to work together to do this. And at the very end, at the you know the uh, opening letter, I talk about together we will succeed. And so there's a lot of things we can do as an Air Force. There's a lot of things we have done as an Air Force. There's a lot of things we'll continue to do, but we got to do it together. And uh, I know I'm very confident together we'll, we will succeed. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to Tesseract Podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and connect with us on LinkedIn. Any references to trademarked, copyrighted, or protected products or services such as books, movies, or businesses are used here for the limited purpose of education and professional development of Air Force Airmen. If you have any questions, please contact us at www.tesseractaf.com.